airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry V is over in Studio CC. We'll do our best to get some calls. I'll tell you right right up front though. There's a lot of information that that we want to that we want to cover today. So so if you if you would, if you'll bear with us, um we'll we'll try to get through that information and um and and then see see what kind of time we have, like see how it all shakes out. And and the reason for that is because what I want to do is I want to try to have as much of a um logical conversation as we can, logical discussion as we can. And the topic today is, are black men in danger from law enforcement? That's the question that we're asking. Are black men in danger from law enforcement? Uh, We get messages from our loyal listeners on a regular basis. We get emails. And as I said, messages, and when I say that, I mean messages on Facebook, you know, tags, posts, all those things that happens on a regular basis daily, I don't think would be an exaggeration to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some messages that we get. I'll just let you know, there are some messages that we get, and this is not very often at all, not often at all, but there are some messages that we get that really are not, they're not an attempt to try to get an understanding or to provoke a bigger conversation. Mm -hmm. They are just to accuse us or to attack us. So I'll just tell you flatly, I ignore you. When you do that, I ignore you. I I got I got an email recently, um, which I guess now I bring it up. I'm not ignoring. Well, I'll just say this. I ignore you. (laughs) All right. I don't have time for that because that's going to take up too much brain space. And and remember, the fool doesn't want understanding, only wants to air his opinion. Yeah. So when you don't want understanding and you just want to attack or call names or, you know, cast aspersions or say things about us. Um, and you have the gall to email me, um, just know it goes in the bank label. <laughs> doesn't matter. Mm. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, if it offends you, then choose a different method, choose a different method. Now that's not very often. What we get far more often are messages and emails from people who are, they disagree with us or they agree with us either way. Doesn't matter. I'm fine with that, but they're respectful and they, they take issue with what we've said. And I think one or two things needs to happen. And we try to do this on a regular basis. Those people should be responded to mm-hmm. either on air, right? Or in a direct response. And we try to do that. So we got an email over the weekend. And as I read this email, I, I perceived disagreement. But I perceived it coming from a genuine place. And I perceived that as I, as I read the email... Um, that this person, and I'm not sure the name, try to judge the name by the email address, which is, right. <laughs> can be difficult to do. You know, you take a risk. Okay. So I don't want to, you know, but, um, but I think this is a woman who wrote to us and in reading her email, I thought, well, she obviously listens to the show quite a bit. 
you know, and it's funny because one of the earliest marks of that is that she spelled our name correctly, our names. <laughs> <laughs> so so you you follow us, you, you listen to what we're saying. And um, even though you disagree and you don't like the way we have communicated, I found your email to be respectful and it gave me cause for pause. And whenever that happens, and I think it leads into a larger conversation, then I want to bring the email to air and I want to talk about it on air. And so I'm kind of loosely using this email to raise the question, are black men in danger from law enforcement? Okay. Mm. Now, let me just say this. Um, We've already had this conversation on air. Right. Okay. Several years ago. Yeah. We had this conversation on air, but it was on Urban Family Talk. Yeah. All right. (laughs) And so arguably we were talking to a large black audience. All right. Like, guys, let's just not we're not going to mince onions. Let's just this is what we were doing. Right. And so when you have that conversation, because what you constantly hear is black men are under attack or at the time. And this was back in 2015, 2016, what you were constantly hearing or what we were constantly hearing is that it's open season on Mm -hmm. black men. In fact, Will did a presentation to a group of college students with this very topic as the presentation. Is it open season on black men? This is back in 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Okay. Because it was such a hot topic. So he's talking, he's addressing uh, young black men. Okay. With this topic. And so why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because what we say behind these mics, we will say to your face. Okay. (laughs) We own these comments guys. Like we're not, Oh, we wouldn't say them. Or we wouldn't save them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when, so look, look, all right. Sometimes you will have to take the truth. And sometimes you will have to take the truth attached to these, these comments and the things that we do. And that's why you have to be very careful on social media. I don't put any posts out on social media that I'm not ready to own that I couldn't say face to face to someone. Mm -hmm. All right. Because you may have to take those very comments and go into the belly of the beast with them. Yeah. Be ready to do it. Yeah. Be ready to do it. And so that's what that's what we do, right? That's that's what we do. So when you can have this conversation, not only on the air as we did several years ago, all right, but you can also have it in a smaller type retreat like setting where nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Nobody nobody's running out. There's no room for snowflakes here. All right. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk and we're gonna have a conversation around this. And that was the question. I think Will's presentation was, mm-hmm. is it open season on black men? Yeah. It was a conversation with black men. Yeah. All right. All right. So. And they had now, opinions. And they had opinions <laughs> and experiences, as yeah, I understand. Because I, I did. Right. I divided up with the girls and you divided up with the guys. So as, as we give a report, we come back and we talk about it, learn that they have objections, they have experiences, they have questions. You know, how do we reconcile our experiences with the numbers that you're giving? All right. So what we're going to do today is this. Now, let me say something. Guys, man, I'm just putting all kind of different business out in the street. But let me just do it. All right. There are going to be some people who are going to say, Will and Miki, you cannot have this conversation in a mixed audience. All right. You're listening right now. And you're all nervous and tense. Yeah. You're like, how are you going to have this conversation about what's going on among black people when there's black and white people listening like we're about to do? Watch. It's going to it's about to happen. All right. <laughs> and and because I, would, I, I would submit, you know, hopefully who we're talking to is not really a mixed audience. It's Christians. So, well, no, because and that's what I was going to say, because we <laughs> care about the body of Christ. Exactly. Because we care about the body of Christ, because if the narrative continues to go on 
and the narrative is not challenged, then what happens is you continue to have what seems to be justified division. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if somebody says, well, I don't agree with you. And and right now, okay, so somebody says, I don't agree with you. And if that person who says, I don't agree with you happens to be white, then what you translate that as, if you're black, and I hate to say it like this, I know Ken Ham is like, come on. (laughs) But, But listen, okay, this is, you know, so if you say I disagree with you that it's open season on black men, that that law enforcement is, you know, specifically targeting black men to kill them. They are using them as sort of like deer. OK, where they just are out picking them off. If a white person says, I don't see it that way. The black person says, then you must be racist because you don't see it that way. Hmm. So what we want to do is we want to say, OK, what are the facts? What's the information that we have available. And then the other question that we want, and there's, man, there's, there's a series of questions. I don't want to oversimplify this by saying it's just one or two questions. There's, there's many questions. There's many questions, right? Or I should say there are many questions. And so we'll try to cover many of those, but we're going to hearken to what we've been saying for a long time. We've been consistent, guys. Why? Because if the truth is the truth, then it's not going to move based on like the time that we're in, okay? It's, it's not going to change based on the audience that you're talking to. You're going to say the same thing all the time. You've got one message, all right, and you're after truth. Now, it does not mean that there are some perceptions that get involved and things get muddy, but you got to be after the truth. Now, let me say this. So the the woman who wrote us, and I assume I I made an assumption that she is our sister in the Lord, all right? Um, That's what I gathered by reading the email. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she said, now, if you were listening on Friday, one of the last callers we got was from, or one of the last calls we got was from a brother named Robert. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said was that she felt that we were dismissive of his life experiences, yeah. right? That we seem to put what he was sharing in the category of like, these are aberrations or these are exceptions to the rule. And please, I want you to keep this terminology in the back of your mind, exceptions to the rule. So in other words, what our sister was saying when she wrote into us was that you guys are acting like it is not the rule that white law enforcement officers are supposed to pull over and harass, all right, for no reason, black men in America. All right? That 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 that's that's supposed to, that's what just happens, okay? Like that's that's supposed to be what we expect to happen. Now, if this is factually true, now again, well, first, let me let me finish with my, my my line of thinking there. If for one second. It appears that I don't care about anybody's personal suffering. Forgive me because I do. I did not intend to be flippant or dismissive with our brother Robert. In fact, we talked about it later, even before I was aware of this email. But I I appreciated that what Robert brought to the conversation was scriptural basis for us to care about justice. Mm -hmm. I agree with him. (laughs) I think it's right. But I think the question that Christians always have to ask is what is the world crying out for? Is it a biblical definition of justice? And then what is the world suggesting as the remedy? What is the world like? Where do they say we go to get to where we, what we want? Okay. And, Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, this matters more than you might imagine. It, 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 it matters more than you might imagine. Okay, you, you think, no, we just all call it justice. and we all, We're not all saying the same thing. And I guarantee you, and as we work our way through all the stories, and by the way, we've got probably five or six links 
that are going to be in the show notes because you need this information. You need this information. So you're going to have all of this so you can go check it out and read it for yourself. Be informed. Be ready to engage in these conversations with the facts. All right? That's what you need to have. You need to have the facts. You need to have the information. So I'm not dismissing anybody's personal experience, nor am I saying this, because it has not been my experience to feel that I have been harassed by law enforcement that it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? I have felt the effects of partiality as a black woman. I have felt the effects of that. I have been privy to, I have heard conversations, all right, made about people who look like me when people were unaware that I was there. I know what that feels like. But for me to then take that and say, that's what all white people do is wrong. Yeah. Just like the, the, the presentation of black people as gangbangers and baby mamas and welfare Queens to say, that's what all black people do. That is also wrong. Right. So in the body of Christ, we have a different standard and that standard doesn't change based on what the current narrative is. So now we have had this conversation before having said that and laid it all out for people who have listened to us for a long time. They're going to say, we've already heard you guys say this. Okay. I'm sorry, but we got to <laughs> go. We got to go again because here we are in an election year yep. and here we the are. It matters song. again. And this, it, every song. time, The last time we had this conversation was in an election year. Yeah, it sure was. Okay. Because, you know, and and let me tell you something else. In the years following us having this conversation with this great dust up where, you know, all of a sudden black men are looking over their shoulders and and there's a conversation. Don't you feel unsafe? Don't you feel all, you know, when, when that dust settled. Well, I remember you asking almost repeatedly, Mm -hmm. wonder when we're going to have the next outbreak of racial tensions. It would seem to almost like disappear. Right. Remember, (laughs) like what happened? (laughs) Remember, there's no racial tensions during Ukraine. There's no racial (laughs) tension during Russia. Remember, remember the nothing burger, no racial tensions. (laughs) Right. No racial tensions during impeachment. Your girl's favorite ice cream. No racial (laughs) tensions. Okay, none, none. All of a sudden, law enforcement officers are respecting black people. They're not being accosted. They're not being all of a sudden but then once we get past all of that oh and then covid once we get past covid all of a sudden law enforcement officers are like man now what are we gonna do (laughs) guess we'll take the lives of innocent black men that's an epidemic (laughs) guys come on all right so we're gonna grab the break we'll come back and then we'll dig right into this aaron the addison's american family radio we'll be right back on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Chester Baldwin with God is Good. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We appreciate her. And again, I just want to say, look, I appreciate people listening to this program, um, and I appreciate the freedom that we're all able to express in disagreement and say, you know, I don't I don't see that the way that you see it. That's, that's fine. Um, I hope that what we can do, though, is respect factual, empirical data. That's yeah. what I hope that we can do. I, I hope that even if we feel like 
but my personal experience has been this. Mm -hmm. Guys, get, let me tell you this real quick, this quick little anecdote, quick little anecdote to show you. I, I Cause the enemy, man, he's very cunning, right? He's very crafty mm -hmm. and we have to be very careful. And Will says this all the time, what we're in the midst of now, especially when you talk about race and you talk about partiality and the discussions that we're having, this is a, this is a very sensual yeah. conversation. It, it appeals to our sense. Mm -hmm. It draws you in. You have to be very careful. All right. So I'm going to tell you something. Here's a, here's my transparent moment. So I was out this weekend and I was going into a, a store and um, as I was going to the store, now I'm, I am, let me say it this way. How do I say it politely? I am obviously pregnant. All right. I am <laughs> obviously expecting a child. Okay. Um, I've reached egg status, I feel like. Okay. <laughs> and so, so, and, uh, and, and I was going into a store and there was a, a white man. That's how you would describe in our common vernacular. So we would say less melanated man. Okay. Um, who was driving a big, big, um, like one of those big, huge, pickup truck seems like it's too small but like one of those dualies like things that you know they have like double tires and everything like, mm -hmm. i mean big trucks you yeah. know and um and i always wait i never assume that a vehicle is going to let me cross the street i just don't make those assumptions right okay? we have we have long since outgrown mayberry where people you know the cars <laughs> yield because the pedestrian's important no now it's the car and then you just kind of get in where you can fit in so i understand that and that happens down ethnic lines <laughs> I've been nearly mowed over by white people. I've been nearly mowed over by black people. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It can be sometimes you're just absent-minded. Yeah. I've also had people tell me after the fact, oh, I'm sorry I didn't see you. I understand because guess what? I've been one of those people before. I'm so sorry, right? So I'm going in the store and this big truck turns like near me, like very close, like to, um, it was very threatening, okay? It was very threatening. And, and so I stopped walking because I thought, Whoa, what's going on? And I thought, well, maybe the truck will correct and then move over. It did not. It continued. Like, um, and so I I actually, as I say, came to a complete stop and just let him go. And I moved over closer to the parked vehicles. If you can imagine a car turning down an aisle, right? Turning down mm -hmm. a lane, kind of a thing, parking lot scenario. And as I was going into the store, I had this moment where I thought, wow, did that man just try to threatened me and my mind went to okay he's a white man I'm a black woman I'm aware of the tensions that are happening in our country right now and as I told you this kind of stuff produces animosity right, right? where you, you start to see people and you don't like them you don't know them right but you're, you're not sure what they represent so now you don't like them this is guys this is human nature it's wicked mm -hmm. it's wicked which is why yep. on this program we try to warn you against it so let me tell you something so I'm going into the store and all these feelings start, all these feelings start rising up inside of me, right? Like, oh, you tried to hit me? Like, are you trying to send, you trying to send a message? You know, and, and it's like the flesh, right? The flesh just starts like, oh man. And, and, and then I'm seething. I'm going to the store and I'm seething and I have this feeling and I'm going to tell you, it's very, very subtle. But mm. what starts to creep in is like, see, you see, this is why there's riots. And, this, and, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, Lord, no, help me. No, don't, <laughs> don't go in toward the light. You understand? But here, here, let me tell you what the Lord did. Let me tell you what the Lord did. So I leave that store. I go into another store and I'm shopping in the store and an older, less melanated man, so an older white man, turns on the aisle with his grocery cart. I'm leaving the aisle. And I say to him, because I'm determined to not let the enemy win, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, how are you doing? And he said, the only way I could be doing better 
as if I got my papers. And I said, I said, what? He said, because you know what happens after this, right? That's what he said. I said, well, it depends on who you are. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we get into this conversation about the Lord mm. and about Jesus Christ. And I say to him, I say, you're my brother. Yeah. And he says, yes, I am. He says, because we start establishing that we know what the gospel, once you know what the gospel is, you can mm -hmm. tell when you talk to people, you right. know, you're talking you know to it. a believer. Yeah. Okay. So he, and he says, you're also my cousin. And I was, <laughs> that's such a New Orleans. I said, but I'm your cousin. And he goes, well, it was just Noah and his sons. And, and he says, so, so you're also my cousin. Right. <laughs> and I go, oh man, that's so good. So we get in this long conversation. And at the end of this conversation, this older white man says to me, he says, I know, and we talked for probably like 15 minutes. He says, I know we're in the midst of like a pandemic and such. He goes, but I got to hug you. And I said, and I'm not going to refuse. I mean, here <laughs> we go. So let me tell you what the Lord did. Where the enemy was trying to come in and mm -hmm. say, you see, do you see? The Lord was saying, do you see? Right. Do you right. see? Right. So each person is responsible for their own behavior. Come on, that's good. They're responsible good. for their own actions. So the man in the dually who got too close to the pregnant woman who happened to be white and she happened to be black. Man, I felt some kind of way about that because I don't know what is more. I don't know if that's I don't know if that is ethnically driven. Mm -hmm. But then moments later, I'm at a different store and here is the man who doesn't look like me. Of course, obviously, I don't look like him. But we get into this conversation about the cross and about Jesus Christ. And what do mm. we realize? That we have more in common than what divides us on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, let me tell you something. What is happening in our nation right now is very wicked. It's very wicked. It's very sinister. So getting back to our original topic. Are black men in danger from law enforcement? Heather McDonald, who works or is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. We interviewed Heather McDonald McDonald back in 2015, 2016. I'm fuzzing on which, which year it was mm -hmm. somewhere around there. I want to say maybe 2016. We interviewed her. We had her on the morning show to talk about the statistics surrounding the myth of police brutality on or against black men. All right. Now, look, if you just come to the table and you just want to have your suspicions confirmed, this is not the program for you. Mm -hmm. It's not. All right? Now, if you also come to the program because you want to hide your partiality behind truth, mm. this is not the program for you. Amen. Here is what Heather McDonald found. While she acknowledges, and which, by the way, if you can do a Google search or do a YouTube search, um, Judge Janine Pirro this weekend, <clears throat> she had an extraordinary open. She had an, I'll just leave it at that. She had an extraordinary open talking about what happened to George Floyd and talking about the inconsistencies in our media and all. It was an extraordinary open, and mm. I wouldn't do it justice to paraphrase it. You look it up, her weekend open, Justice Janine Pirro, um, it, it was fantastic. All right. So here is what Heather McDonald says. And she re-released this information in light of what's going on now because it's it's become seasonal. Right. <laughs> it's like she you got to keep coming back to it. She had to do it again, update right? The, update the numbers and the years and stuff. It's the same story. We, <laughs> look, and if we feel like we don't do it justice, we'll have Heather on to talk to us again. Be like, hey, girl, remember us? We need to talk <laughs> again. All right. So here we are. She released the information again. And look, 
while what happened to George Floyd was horrible. Right, right. It was wicked. People understand, as Christians, those of us who respect the image of God in man, we have to say what happened to this man was wicked. It was wicked when you have repeated opportunities to stop taking someone's life. And as we're going to get to later in the, in the show, when your colleagues are saying, hey, you think we should roll him over? <laughs> in delirium, one of the officers says. I have that story. It's going to be in the links to all of the notes. All right. It was horrific. But here is what you have to know. And the, the, the larger media coverage is not going to explore this because they have a vested interest in keeping us hating one another. Yeah. And ultimately where they want to go is towards celebrated lawlessness. They're calling it defund the police. It's just celebrated and accepted lawlessness. <laughs> this is not representative. What happened to George Floyd, guys, please understand, as horrific as it was, what happened to George Floyd is not representative of the 375 million annual contacts that police officers have with civilians. Mm. 375 million annual contacts police officers have with civilians. Now, and this is where it gets to people would say, you know, Miki, um, how are you going to have this conversation in a mixed audience? Because we have to, because we have to, because when I get emails like the one that I got where it's like, you have to admit that this is the kind of stuff that just happens. It routinely happens. I have to say, does it? Do the numbers confirm this? And not only are we going to look at Heather McDonald's findings, but we're going to look at Gordon Fryer's findings, who is the black Harvard researcher who back in 2016 did his own research because he wanted to prove that there is actual police, police brutality against black people and that it's disproportionate, that it happens way more often than it happens to any other ethnic group. I hate to give away the end of the movie, but you know what he found out? That it wasn't true. <laughs> The black Harvard researcher who conducted the research because of his own personal feelings. And he was like, we're going to prove once and for all that it's factually true that law enforcement officers shoot and kill black men more so than any other ethnic group. And the black Harvard professor, the black Harvard researcher. Had to admit, based on his empirical data, that it wasn't true. And I hate to jump so far ahead, but at this point, I have to tell you, he found actually that black men were less likely to be shot by law enforcement officers than white men. Black men are less likely to be shot by law enforcement officers than white men. Well, why do we see black men getting shot by law enforcement officers so much then, Miki? It's <laughs> a good question. Yes. And I would, I want, this is why I say, to, sometimes I say to my kids when I think they know the answer, I say, ask me that again slowly. <laughs> ask me that again slowly. Because when you ask it again slowly, you have the opportunity to process what you're asking. So why do we see that so much more? In 2019, police officers fatally shot 1,004 people, most of whom were armed or otherwise dangerous. African-Americans were about a quarter of those killed by cops last year, 235, a ratio that has remained stable since 2015. 
That share of black victims is less than what the black crime rate would predict. Since police shootings are a function of how often officers encounter armed and violent suspects in 2018, the latest year for which such data have been published, African-Americans made up 53% of known homicide offenders in the U.S. African-Americans made up 53% of known homicide offenders in the U.S., African-Americans commit about 60% of robberies. Now, when you hear those numbers, that's where you're, you know, thinking about disproportionality has to come into play because you say, wait, wait a minute. That's a lot. (laughs) African-Americans made up 53% of known homicide offenders in the U.S. Not 53% of black Homicide, (laughs) that would make no sense. No, African-Americans made up 53% over half of homicide offenders in the U.S. while being only 13% of the population. 60% of robberies while being 13% of the population. So let me say this, because, and you see, this is where sometimes there may be like it get, things get lost in translation, but I'm going to say it the way I would say it anyway. So you can pretend like Pookie and Ray Ray and them mean you well. <laughs> but not only do your own experience prove and confirm to you that that is sometimes not true. But we have the numbers to bear it out. So if you have 53% of known homicide offenders who, by the way, again, we're talking about 13% of the population and yet 53% of non-homicide offenders, that means that interaction with law enforcement officers is going to be more frequent. Right. Right. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who grew up in the hood where there were crack houses on the corner. I don't know anyone who grew up in neighborhoods where the ambulance wouldn't come to your house because it was too dangerous, let alone the pizza guy. (laughs) I don't know anyone who thinks that it's safe to have public notice that there are no police working here. (laughs) Not one. This, this is a cry from people who are generally safe where they live. This is a call from elite people who are saying defund police. Because you know what the little grandmothers, the single moms, you know what they know? They know that the law enforcement officer in many instances is their best friend. And you know what? When I was growing up, The single black mom actually hoped that the law enforcement officer would instill some type of respect in her son so that her son would want to avoid him as he grew up in this context. (laughs) And now we've gotten to the point we don't we want to ignore that. Don't let's come on now. Come on. Come on now. Tell the truth. And I and I please try to change my mind. I grew up in this context. You try to change my mind. We'll be right back.
I apologize to Will during the break. Apologize to everyone for a little bit of over display of emotion there. We're back on track. We're getting to the facts. All right, here we go. Welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Gerard Brooks <laughs> with Flame. All right, all right. Sherry B, hey, sorry to you too. All right, here we go. Um, the question we're asking today is, are black men in danger from law enforcement, right? Is there, is there, is it open season? I think Will had the, the best way to phrase this in his presentation a few years back. Is it open season on black men in America? at the hands of law enforcement. And, I mean, is that, that's, the, that's the question. That, because that's what the media wants us to think, right? So now you've got inept mayors, and, and I mean that as I try to be nice, but, okay, I also want to be sincere. Uh, I don't respect that, okay? Mm. I don't respect that. You come out and you think you're virtue signaling, like you're, I'm going to do something great for the black community. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to defund law enforcement. Oh, you know what you've just done? You've just issued death sentences yeah, for people in the black community. Go ahead and do. Thank you for that. More peril. Thank you for that. How in the world you say, and here she goes again. <clears throat> How in the world do you say we care about black lives? How in the world do you say we care about black lives and then take out the, the what would be the first lines of defense that they have in your city because you also tell them that they can't have guns? Man, y'all are y'all are wild. Y'all are wild. Man, y'all are wild. These liberals, man, y'all are wild. You don't want people to to have guns according to their constitutional right, by the way. You don't want them to have guns. And then you also want to take away what has become their first line of defense because you remove the first line of defense by saying you can't own a weapon, you can't have guns, you, you know. And, and so then now... And where they would have been able to defend their dwelling themselves, mm -hmm. they have to call on law enforcement. And now you say, we're taking that away. Oh, y'all are wild. Man, y'all are wild. Mm -hmm. Guys, I want you to just step back for a second. That it, it, it's, it's, it's comical. <laughs> it's so sad. It's comical. And people are like, yes, defund police, defund police. And you go back home, you got bars on your windows. Mm. You got bars on your doors. Come on, y'all. Let's just tell. Let's tell. Let's tell the truth. Let's tell the truth. Let's stop. Let's stop being PC. This is not about Don Lemon and this Crystal Castle, wherever it is. All right. This is not about the people who are paying to get out violent protesters, rioters. It's not about those people. They're paying money to bail these people out. And they have security that they can pay themselves so they don't care if law enforcement is funded because they pay for their security. Y'all, come on now. Come on. I know I'm not the only one in this room. I know it. I'm not the only one who sees this, guys. Right? So, so thank you, John Legend, because let me tell you something. We, ordinary people, cannot hire our own personal protection. So we rely on the men and women who get behind the badge and risk their lives for us against Pookie and Ray Ray Nim. Or Todd and Jeff, if they get out of hand. I mean, you know, whoever, <laughs> whatever. I mean, because you know they're all over the place. No, we don't. I don't we we don't we don't have. <laughs> you know, here's my my protection over here, Biff. I don't. We don't. We don't write right. his. You, you're just. We don't write right. checks to him. But John Legend, who only sings about ordinary people, is not living like one. <laughs> writing checks to get out criminals. Thank you, John Legend. Again and again, when you see it on the surface, you're like, oh, they care so much. No, they don't. No, they don't. Man. 
there's not an influx back into the inner city. And, and again, you're supposed to feel guilty. There's so much to feel guilty about. Why don't, why don't they go back into the inner city to live? I'm not talking like to open up like, you know, wing joints and pizza places. Nah, I mean, yeah, you could do that because you can make money. Right. Go live there. You don't want to live there. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to pull out a chair for you at this point, but I do. I, w- I want to say sit down. Right. Sit down. <laughs> right. All right. The police fatally shot nine unarmed black men or nine unarmed black Americans and 19 unarmed white Americans in 2019. The police fatally shot nine unarmed black Americans and 19 unarmed white Americans in 2019, according to the Washington Post. This number or these numbers are down from 38 and 32 in 2015. So 38 unarmed black people shot in 2015 and 32 unarmed white people shot in 2015, which is amazing because Obama was president in 2015. You would imagine that these numbers will continue to go up and up and up under the white supremacist president. (laughs) (laughs) Just guys, I just want you to think about it. That's all. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be cute. I mean, I did find that funny, but let me just say, just think about it, right, Will? I mean, mm-hmm. if you just look at the numbers. Yeah, and it's a good thing that she did this, like, years ago, so she can compare. Like <laughs> She can compare. <laughs> from what she, she can had compare, before. can look like, back and say, okay, yeah. here's what we found, and here's what we found today. All <laughs> yeah. right? In 2018, now listen to this, guys. This is where the, the music really goes to, like, as Mariah says, minor notes. This is where you go to minor. <laughs> let's go to the minor keys here. In 2018... There are 7,407 black homicide victims, homicide victims. In 2018, 7,407 black homicide victims. If you include those nine unarmed black victims of police shootings, that's 0.1% of the African-Americans who were killed in 2019. But they don't 1%. That. That's facts. So okay. <laughs> I have experiencing feelings that you're not taking into consideration right now. So you're going to blow up communities. You're going to, you, and, and look, you're going to blow up your own community. You're going to blow up your own community. You're going to blow up where you live. And what's the point that you're making? And, and look, I have a problem. I know everybody wants to send a little bit of virtue and they want to say, we respect the protesters. Yes, we respect the protesters, right? So we have the right to peaceably assemble, right? We have the right to petition our government for a redress of grievances. Here's my question. What grievance are they redressing? Like what, what is it that, so Mm. if you're protesting, what are you marching for? So in the 1960s, so we're Mm. marching to change laws. Even right now, when we have the March for Life every January, we Mm -hmm. are marching to change laws that say it is okay to murder a baby in her or his mother's womb. So now you're you're out, you're protesting. What is it? What laws laws do you have? They will say they they are marching to change how policing is done. Okay. Some want to defund policing. Some want there to be some changes within the policies or, or, or how their police are being trained. Okay, but people, there's no policy that tells a police officer to put his neck on to put his knee on the neck of a man for eight minutes and 46 seconds. It's just not in the policy. And let me tell you something. (laughs) And if you believe that there is a good old boys club where law enforcement officers can just do whatever they want and they're not going to tell on each other. That's why it's important for us to celebrate truth, Hmm. because look, if you live in a culture where you can celebrate truth and you can be bold than the other three officers who stood by while Chauvin murdered George Floyd. 
then those officers would have been emboldened to say, hey, listen, I know I'm still in training. I know this is like only my third full shift. I know I know that I'm still learning. You're the training officer here, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have to tell you, get your knee off his neck. <laughs> and if that costs me my job, I'm willing to give it up. But you know why that doesn't happen? Because cowardice. <laughs> yeah. But it's not just in law enforcement. It's not just in law enforcement. If you're black and you can't stand up and tell the truth about what's happening in the black community, that's cowardice. If you're white and you can't stand up and tell the truth about what's happening in the white community, that's cowardice. So we look at that and we say, why didn't they? They should have done something. How many of you, you should have done something and you didn't because you were afraid? Mm, That's a good point. Because you value your job. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can say anything about homosexuality because I might lose my job. Let's let's be consistent here. I'm going to say this and then we're going to jog back to 2016. We're going to jog back to 2016. We're going to look at the black Harvard professor, the black Harvard researcher, and look at what he found. He had a vested interest. He's going to prove that it's open season on black men. I want you to listen to this. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. I'm going to read it to you again. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. That's facts. Now we know that's true. Chris Cuomo's not going to tell you that man, but everybody right? know that's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we can have honest conversations, this is not to dismiss anybody's personal experience. You've been discriminated against. You've been harassed. Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina senator, back in 2016 when the Senate had this hearing on police relations, or I don't know if it's a hearing, but like how do we address police relations? Mm -hmm. You know, he said as a senator, he was stopped seven times in one year, pulled over. It's because he's black driving a certain car and he was perceived to not be able to drive that car. Mm I'm going to tell you something. That is a condition of the heart mm-hmm. of the officers right. who pulled him over. That's right. So what people are trying to quote unquote now police is a work of the spirit because there are no laws in place that allow for black people to be harassed. There are no laws in place that protect people who abuse their authority. So now what you're trying to force is a change that is a work of the spirit in somebody's heart. But you don't want the spirit to work. You don't want you don't want Jesus is not a part of your remedy. This is what this is the reality of where we are, folks. We want the results that Jesus brings, but we don't want Jesus. Hmm. A lawless community. Is judgment. You understand? A lawless community, lawlessness, synonymous with sin and rebellion and wickedness. When you celebrate that in a culture, yes, notice it, recognize it, mark it as the judgment of God. So what happens is you get to a point where you have so championed this, you have desired it, you have craved it, and now God says you can have it. Hmm. That's what you want. You want lawlessness, you can have it. You want to live in a community? where people are free to kick in the doors of businesses and run out with cheesecakes in protest. 
I was watching, man, okay, I got to move faster. I was, I was watching one news uh, coverage, piece of news coverage, <laughs> which, and I mean that in every way of the word, piece of news coverage, right? Because <laughs> it's not real journalism, okay? Right. And, 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 and the person, I can't even remember who it was, but he said, and, and the protesters are here who have been stuck inside their homes without food. They're going into stores and, and yes, they are taking bread and they're taking, no, they're not. You stop it. I, 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 wanna, <laughs> I go, guys, I, I'm sorry. I've, I've been, I've been so afraid to catch COVID. I need a new Louis Vuitton bag. I've <laughs> so, been, I've been Jordans. so, afraid. I need Jordans. I'm so afraid. I don't know. The disease is racist. And so the only way that I can, anybody it's cheesecake. Give me a TV. I need a TV. Listen, guys, I'm, I refuse to be manipulated. Now, I have compassion for people who are actually hurting. Who have actually, let me tell you something. You know what? There are black men who exist in a context that just being in that context actually presumes upon them a certain guilt that, man, I grieve for them. Because, again, I know what it's like to live in that context. You understand? So you've got police who are doing their jobs. So they're in communities where, you know, you've got the kid who wants to go to school because he wants to get out of here. And so maybe that kid fits the profile of like, okay, let me check him out because, you know, this is the area that mm -hmm. we're in. Mm -hmm. That's unfortunate, man. That's yeah, and, and, and that does something to you. Yeah, it does something to you. But when we keep it in its context, we, we recognize that it's because it's in that context that it happens more frequently. Please understand what I'm saying. In 2016, listen to this. In 2016, of over a thousand police involved shootings, according to the researcher from Harvard, Professor Roland, I think I may have called him by a different name, Roland G. Fryer. Mm -hmm. You say Fryer. He said, Okay, he said he found the most surprising results of his career. He found the most surprising results of his career. This is back in 2016. And this is what he found. There is no racial bias in police-involved shootings. Not only are blacks not more likely to be fired upon by police than whites in tense moments, the study found that, if anything, they are less likely to be shot at. Less likely to be... Is going to be included in the show notes. You have to go read it. You have to go read it. Because if there's going to be any move to like obfuscate or to conceal the data, it would be on the part of the black man who has a vested interest to say yes, yes. But actually what he found is no, no. Now I will tell you this, and this is important. This is important. Let me, let me oh, quickly go through a couple of the things that he found. I'll tell you one of the things that he did find that should be concerning. And this is the kind of stuff that we, what he, so one, he found that police are not more likely to fire on blacks than whites. In fact, blacks are 20% less likely to be fired upon. He found that blacks and whites involved in police shootings were equally likely to be carrying a weapon, both blacks and whites. He found that blacks are more likely to betray. Now, this is, this is the point that I think the social justice warriors need to explore. They want to explore that because they go right to the jugular. But he did find that blacks are more likely to be treated worse by officers when it comes to physical contact. So there's more handsiness when black people are stopped by police officers. Now that's a conversation that we can have. We can mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Yep. Why is that? Listen, I'm not buying what these people are selling because I understand what they're going to use my money for. 
<laughs> I understand what they want to uh. use my money for. I'm not feeding the monster because the monster wants to eat me. Lawlessness. All right, we're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.